Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. Who uh, has heard the past two-week messages? Have y'all heard? Did y'all were y'all here for the Jonah message and the Hosea message? Yes, you can talk back. It's okay. I won't. I won't. I'll just scream louder. I'm just kidding. I won't. Um, uh, so it was really interesting because with Jonah, we see that this prophet of God is called to Assyria, called to Nineveh, this enemy that are completely rebelling against God, have been for however long, and he says, "Hey, go and tell them to repent, because I want to give them mercy." But if they don't repent and turn from their evil ways, I'm going to destroy them. And you see Jonah, he's reluctant, right? And, and we follow that story of he goes and yet he doesn't want to. Um, and finally he does it and the entire city just repents. Like from the king down, like everyone puts on sackcloth and ashes, which is this ancient way of repenting and saying, God, please forgive me. And so we see that and we're like, wow, that's awesome. And even with Hosea, God calls this man of God, another prophet, to say, hey, my people are, and the Bible uses explicit words, right, whoring themselves out, right? And they are, they're completely turning their back against me. But guess what? I want through you, through this example, to show them that I still love them. I still desire a relationship with them. I still want them to be my people. So Hosea, go and marry this prostitute and have children with her. And it's going to show how much I love these people. That's hardcore, right? That's pretty intense, that God would use that example to show how much he loves us, how much he cares about us, how much even in our sin and brokenness and us completely turning our back on him, that he still wants a relationship with you. He still wants to love you. So before we dive in, I want you to know that first, because some of the stuff we're going to talk about is a little intense, and I want you to know first and foremost that God does love you and does desire to have a real intimate relationship with you. Not something that you cultivate once a week, but something day in, day out that you're spending time with God. You're listening to God. And that when you pray, it's not just, I talk, I talk, I talk, I talk, I want, I want, and that's it. It's you sit in the presence of God and listen. Prayers, you have to give God time to talk as well. Just be still before God. So we're talking about how God is mercy, how, how he's full of love. But what happens when you make a habit of calling yourself a child of God? but continually turn your back on him through your actions, your lifestyle, whatever else. That's what we're going to dive into today. So if you have your Bibles or you can look at the Sky Bible, I like to call it, go to 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 6 through 12. We're mainly going to be in this one chapter, so you can leave your Bibles open in this chapter. When you're there, say amen. Ooh, y'all are fast. All right, starting at verse 6. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria, and he carried the Israelites away to Assyria and placed them in Halah and on the Haver, the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. And this occurred because the people of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And had feared other gods, and they walked in the customs of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel, and in the customs that the kings of Israel had practiced. And the people of Israel did secretly 
against the Lord their God things that were not right. They did secretly. They built for themselves high places in all their towns, from watchtower to fortified city. They set up for themselves pillars and ashram on every high hill and under every green tree. And there they made offerings on all the high places, as the nations did whom the Lord carried away before them. And they did wicked things, provoking the Lord to anger. And they served idols, of which the Lord had said to them, You shall not do this. It's pretty intense. And uh, just fair warning as well, if you don't like the message, we're getting a lot of scripture, so it's okay. We're reading the Bible today, all right? And just like the Israelites, we, have, we as Christians have seasons of intentional disobedience. Intentional disobedience. Not, oops, I didn't know, but you know it's wrong, and yet you continue to do it. And we have to look at the Israelites they didn't start out like this, right? We see this picture of these Israelites where immediately they're captured and they're taken into Assyria. And you think, wow, that's kind of harsh, right? But what you don't see is what they did during this process. And I wonder for us, they didn't start out like this, right? When they first turned to God, they, they were all in. And I wonder if you were like that when you first gave your life to Jesus. Do you remember that moment or that first initial season of your life as a Christ follower? Yes? Raise your hand if you do. If not, maybe we need to do it again. <laughs> maybe you need to pray some more. No, I'm just kidding. But if you remember, like for me, when I became a Christian, it was later in my life. It was only about three years ago. And, and immediately everything shifted. Everything changed. And I was like, God, I know I don't have a lot to offer, but I, I'm all in. I give you everything I have. And I wonder if you were like that. Remember when you're first a Christian, you're so zealous. God, whatever you want me to do, I'm all in. I'm all in. But then time kind of goes by and we kind of slack off on our faith. You know, we're so intense in the moment. I'll pray for everyone. I'll do this. And then you go through seasons. You don't see prayer being answered sometimes. You still struggle with different things. You still struggle with certain sins. And you just start, you kind of like diminish your faith oftentimes. And for Israel, this is what happened. Where we see Israel, it's been 200 years, 200 plus years since King Solomon was king over Israel, right? Do we remember him, David's son? 200 years ago, he became king, the wisest king, right? Well, when he stopped reigning, Israel split into two factions. Northern, which was Israel, and the southern part, which was Judah. And each faction had their own kings. And for 200 years, God still sustained them. He still blessed them even though they were turning their backs on him continually. God had set them up with wealth and influence, yet they could not follow God with all of their heart. And I wonder if you've experienced this. Has God set you up with a good job or a good family or blessed you, but yet you still don't follow him with all of your heart? It's kind of tough, right? Because some of us, that's real. And for this message, you're going to have to really look at your relationship with God because I, I don't know where you stand with God. And I don't know what your relationship with Him is like, but that's something that you have to ask yourself. And so with this king, the first king after Solomon, Jeroboam, what he did is he made these metal images of calves in Israel so that Israel didn't have to go to Judah to worship God. They could stay in Israel, right? And so he made these false idols for these people to worship. And it got me thinking, this is a time in history where they've got the first five books of the Bible, right? They know about Egypt. 
They've probably read the story of where Moses' brother Aaron made the golden calf. And guess what? A lot of Israelites died that day. It's not a good decision, right? So you got to think, did this guy know it was wrong, but he was so afraid to lose power, lose his influence, that he decided to intentionally disobey God? Maybe he did it knowing it was wrong. And what happens when we know something is wrong, yet it doesn't stop us from doing it? You ever had those moments? You get a text message and you're like, I'm going to reply in a very negative way. I'm going to send it. And you write it and then you delete it and then you write it and you delete it again. And then you're like, send. I don't care. I'm doing it. Because the text message you got, you can somehow hear the tone through the words. It's not even there. Anybody do that? You see a text message, you automatically get a negative tone. Who does this person think they are? Talk to me like this. And you just reply in an angry way instead of calming down and relaxing. Or, or maybe it's saying it, speaking out immediately. Someone says something to you or slams on their brakes in front of you and you immediately, you've got words to say. You know it's wrong. The Bible tells you not to act that way. You know this, but you do it in the moment. Or what if it's with, your, uh, with other people, you're married or something, and someone's flirting with you, and you flirt back. You don't mean it to be dangerous or anything else, but you don't realize the seed you're planting in your life when you intentionally disobey God. And so there's all these examples that, that we can relate to. And it's interesting to note that in this 200-year process, there are several kings in the north and south, right? But especially in the north where these calves are. And every king that, that whether they're super wicked in God's eyes or they're doing their best to follow God, not a single one of them tore down those idols. They stayed for 200 years. So I wonder for us, if God has put you in that place of influence or blessed you or whatever else, but, you know, when you first got saved... God looked over some parts of your life, right? But now he's convicting you on it, and you still won't tear down those sins in your life. You continue to do them. You continue to intentionally disobey God when you know it's wrong. That's what we're seeing here today. You know it's wrong, but you choose intentionally to sin. And because these kings had this weakness that they never tore down these idols, guess what? They put all of their people, all their subjects in bondage. And I want to remind you that your sins don't just stick to you. Sins have a very easy way of oozing out onto your family, onto your workplace, your situations, your emotions, whatever it is. They just ooze out. Have you experienced this? Dealing with sin and then it just starts affecting how you parent or how you talk to your spouse or how you deal with people at work? Yes? couple head shakes. That's cool. Maybe this is a little intense. Y'all are going to be really quiet with me today. Sorry. And instead of living godly, you can look at these Israelites, and they, instead of doing what God called them to do, they decided to look like everyone else around them. They look like the cultures and society around them, because I guess it's okay if everyone else does it. I know God tells me to be set apart and do something differently, but they do it, and they're not off too bad. They're doing all right. I guess it's okay for me to live that way too. And what's interesting with these Israelites, they constantly crippled a deep walk with God because it was easier to just look like everyone else. Where have you stopped yourself from growing because you conform to the patterns of society around you? Where have you in your life, God has wanted to take you deeper and to push you closer to Him and, and show you deeper revelations of Him, but... Instead of trusting him 
and living like him and looking like him, you tend to stay farther back and act like everyone else. And you're missing out on this extra blessing, this extra closeness you can have with God because you're choosing to not do what he calls you to do. You're choosing to look like everyone else around you. And it really doesn't matter what it is. It could be the movies or music you allow yourself to listen to or you allow your children, family to listen to. But it's okay, right? Because other parents let their kids do it. Other people watch those movies and music. They're fine. You don't have to be different, do you? What about, it could be what you look at on the internet, what you watch, what you try to do in secret, that just like the Israelites, they thought they were doing these things in secret, but God sees everything. Amen? It could be the vile words you let come out of your mouth, or the crude jokes that you let come out of your mouth. Not all the time, just every now and again. It's okay, right? Isn't it? Just look like everyone else. Does God not call us to be holy, live holy, speak holy? Why do you think it's okay? Why do we do this where we intentionally disobey God and we think it's okay? Maybe it's because we do think that, that we can keep secrets from God, but God sees everything. He sees what you don't want anyone else to see, and he is watching you when even you don't think he is. God is still watching you. And if you claim that you're a follower of Jesus, but you're in this habit of habitual sin, you're continually committing this sin, and maybe it's once a week or twice a week, whatever, you know it's wrong, whether it's you're going and getting hammered every, just once a month or something else, whatever it is, you know it's wrong, but you continue to do it, this message is for you. Because if you do struggle with sin, and guess what? I do too. We all struggle with sin. Nobody's perfect, or we wouldn't need Jesus. Amen? Right? But this isn't for those that are struggling with sin and seeking help from God, seeking forgiveness, really striving to do better in your life, and you're going to make mistakes. This message is for those of you that think it is okay to continually live a lifestyle of sin and call yourself a Christian. That is not okay. And you are fooling yourself. How do I know this? Well, you have to ask yourself this question. Am I really following Jesus? Are you really following Jesus? Are you actually saved? How do we know? Well, if you turn to 1 John chapter 3 with me, or it'll be on the screen, starting at verse 7, it says, Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. That's intense. Does that challenge anyone else? No, I'm the only one? Maybe this message is for me. Because when I read that, I was like, oh my goodness, man. That is right in your face. That is in your face. If you make a habit of sinning, guess what? You're probably of the devil. Like, what? What? Are you serious? That's the challenge. That's the call. To be holy, to be righteous, to not fall. And even it says, if you've been born of God, you cannot keep on sinning. You start dying to sin. And so for us, we have to check ourselves. We can't, we can't fool ourselves. Like these Israelites, they knew what was right. They knew what was right. They had the commandments. They had 
prophets and everything tell them what was right. They knew God's law, yet they chose to be wicked and sin intentionally. And in doing so, God had to deal with them. God has to punish sin. God will punish sinners. But he didn't judge them immediately. And this is the good part. Turn with me to the, uh, the next couple verses, starting at verse 13 in 2 Kings chapter 17. It says, Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah by every prophet and every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes in accordance with all the law that I commanded your fathers and that I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. But they would not listen, but were stubborn as their fathers had been, who did not believe in the Lord their God. They despised his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and the warnings that he gave them. They went after false idols and became false. And they followed the nations that were around them, concerning whom the Lord had commanded them that they should not do like them. And they abandoned, intense word, they abandoned all the commandments of the Lord their God and made for themselves metal images of two calves. And they made an Asherah and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served Baal. And they burned their sons and their daughters as offerings and used divination and omens and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. That's an intense list. With all people, though, God offers real grace before judgment. That's what God offers you, is grace before judgment. He will warn you. He will help you. He will continue to pursue you. He doesn't destroy you every time you sin. That's awesome. I really appreciate that about our God because I mess up a lot of times instead of like, oh, strike me down. He gives me another chance and he gives me that grace and he gives me that mercy. And how many, how many of us have found ourselves being warned by God before? You had those moments, right? Being warned by God and whether through it's a message or through other people, through a song, through an article, whatever, we can all honestly say that God has warned us at least once in our lives. Yes. Amen. God had been so patient with his people for so long. And these sins that they were committing, I mean, that's, it's, it's an intense list, like killing their kids for these other false gods, doing demonic practices, completely demonic behavior. And these things that God had said, don't do, he commanded, if anyone does them, you die. And yet we see there's a 200-year span where God is being graceful. He is loving them. He is giving them grace and mercy and not completely destroying them. He gave them chance after chance after chance after generation to repent and follow him with their whole heart. And it's something that we discussed in our growth group last week, which, little plug, if you're not in a growth group, get in one. You're missing out on a great fellowship of other believers that can help you, encourage you, and sustain you through your dark times. And guess what? If you're good and you can do this all alone, guess what? Not everyone else can. Some other people need your encouragement too. They need your prayers. So get plugged into a growth group here. We need community. Amen? We need a community of people around us that believe the same thing we believe, follow God with their whole heart. We discussed in our growth group that we, looking back, we all have those moments where you remember, you know what? That was God warning me. That was God telling me not to do that. And he tries to save us so much pain and so much heartache, yet there's a lot of times where we tend to think we know what's best. You ever done that? I know this is not right, but I'm good. I can take care of this. Most times we have tried to even be our own God. 
this is in my control. This is, and maybe we even think, like, this is too small for God to deal with. I just won't talk to him about it. God cares about the little details. God wants all of you, not just the big things that you think can't handle, but even the little things that maybe you think you can. He wants to be there in every aspect of your life. And a lot of us, we have those moments where, like for me, I really related to Israel in this moment. And, and previously, we've been studying through them, uh, studying them, and we've been going through the Bible, is because Israel, they had no problem turning their back on God when things were comfortable. When everything was fine and hunky-dory, that's an okey word for you, maybe. We're southern word, I don't know. When everything was going great, they just completely, oh, yeah, we don't really need you, God. We're going to turn your back on you. We're going we're gonna to follow these other gods. We're going to worship this. We're going to sacrifice our kids, whatever. But when things really hit the fan, when an army came to attack them or there was some intense battle or they faced desperation, they turned to God, God, I need you. Please save me. I promise I'll repent. I'll do what you've called me to do. Save me right now, please. And God did that for them until now. He constantly gave them another chance, constantly. And for me, there's so many times in my life I'd made mistakes. And, and even before I was a Christian, I was, I was raised knowing that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? Hearing that, not believing it, right? And so there were times, especially when I deployed to Afghanistan. I mean, before Afghanistan I was in the military, I did not live godly, right? I was, I was getting drunk all the time. I talked whoever I wanted. I was reckless with my lifestyle, different addictions. And, but it was funny because in Afghanistan, we, we ran convoys, and I was a gunner. And when we would go on a mission, they would tell us, hey, it's about to get serious here. I would be like, hey, walk away. Jesus, if you're up there, man, uh, I could really use some help. If you could just get us through this and keep it. I really want to make it home. I don't believe you, but I'm praying to you. Right? Isn't that funny? You ever did that before you are Christian? Pray to somebody you don't believe in, you don't trust. And yet he was still, he still extended mercy and grace. And there's so many times in my life where he could have struck me down, but he gave me another chance. So there's hope in that. His grace is radical. And in your sins and your disobedience, I mean, he's still there allowing you to live, still giving you breath, still allowing you to make mistakes. But how can God do this? Who are we to deserve this mercy? I think a lot of people, and I even I met this guy at work and, and had a fun conversation with him sharing the gospel, and we, people create their own version of God, right? They project their own personality on God. And this guy at work, I was, I was talking to him, and, and I was like, hey, you go to church? You want to invite him to church? And, and uh, he's like, no, I really don't. You know, I stopped going to church at 18 or whatever else. And, and immediately I'm like, oh, got to share the gospel with this guy. I got to do it. He's got to know that Jesus loves him, man. It's just something that I, that's in me I have to do. If I realize someone does not know the gospel, doesn't know Jesus as a Lord, I'm just, sometimes I get a little too crazy. I get a little too passionate. I'll be honest. I freak some people out sometimes, but I do it in love, okay? And so I'm, I'm washing dishes because I work at the cafeteria, and, and I was like, hey, uh, why don't you go to church? Why do you not serve God? Like, what is it about God that you are angry at or don't believe in? And uh, he's like, well, you know, I believe, in, I believe in a higher power, and I believe in God. I just, I don't really get the whole Genesis thing and evolution. I'm, I'm a scientist, you know, I believe in this. And I'm like, okay, okay. And I've watched hours of apologetics videos, right? I can be like, okay, he said this, so I can go here and rebuttal this. But the Holy Spirit was like, shut me down. And was like, we're not talking about that. He's playing around the issue. And I said, okay, say, say you believe in evolution or not. I said, does that stop you from believing the gospel of Jesus Christ? I said, whatever happened then, does that stop you from knowing that Jesus is Lord? 
or having that conversation. He's like, no, I guess not. And so I shared the gospel, and he's like, well, I just don't get how one God can be so exclusive. I think there's so many other gods, and, and I don't think God would do this. And I said, what you're doing is projecting your personality on God. You're creating your own version of God and thinking that you're a good person, so you're going to go to an eternity of heaven, right? Whatever heaven you believe in, because you're a good guy. I said, but guess what? You've sinned, man. It's like you've lied, you've cheated, you've stolen, you've looked at people with lust. If God judged you on the Ten Commandments alone, you really think you're going to go in His presence? You think you're a good guy still? And I just shared to him that Jesus bore our sin on the cross. And that's something that we need to remember. Jesus took our sin and our faith in Him completely makes us clean. But a lot of people, they just want to, to believe their own version of God or think it's okay to believe all these gods. But God says constantly in His Word that it's exclusively Him. He is the only way. I was reading through Isaiah, um, the, the chapters 44 through 46, and constantly he's saying that there is no other God. I look around, there's no other God. I'm the only Savior. I created everything. There's no one else. There's no one like me. There's no one else to put your faith in. And I thank God that even through our times where we just intentionally disobey and completely turn our back on him and knowing he's holy, that he gives us grace and mercy. That is so awesome. And it's, it's kind of like, could you do that? Think of all your pet peeves. What's your, what's your worst pet peeves? Chewing on nails, maybe, or loud smacking while someone's eating, whatever it is, right? Name out all your pet peeves, all 14 or 14,000 of them, right? Now picture the worst person on the planet, past, present, future, someone that you despise, maybe don't hate because Christians don't hate, right? But okay, be honest with yourself. Maybe there's someone that you really don't like. Okay, now picture this person doing all of your pet peeves to you all the time, constantly making themselves an enemy of you. Now you tell me how easy it would be for you to love them and pursue a relationship with them and continue to strive to bless them. Man, you just grind my gears, but I still love you. You know what? I'd even die for you. That's our story. We made ourselves enemies of the cross, enemies of a holy and righteous God. And even in all our sins, all our shame, he's still pursuing us and still loving us. But if you continually, continually turn your back on God, obviously there's a time limit on what he allows you to do. And you will be punished. What happens when we won't change and constantly choose to turn our backs on his mercy and love. Go with me to the next few verses. Verse 18 says, Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. None was left but the tribe of Judah only. Judah also did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the customs that Israel had introduced. And the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel and afflicted them and gave them into the hand of plunderers until he had cast them out of his sight. When we continue to push God away, we realize the intense pain of disobedience is real. In this part of scripture, as I was reading it, this was the part I really didn't want to preach. I realized like, man, I don't, I hate saying this, right? I hate saying and, and letting you know. I mean, it's the truth that there are times where God will reject his people because they rejected him first. 
and they continually reject him. This wasn't, we look at Israel, this is not a one-time event. They turned their backs on gods, and they just now started sacrificing their sons and daughters. But this is, this is hundreds of years in the making of constantly turning their back on God. And to think that God can not only reject people, but cast them out of his sight, cast them out of his protection, out of his mercy, that's horrifying. Can you imagine that? God just rejecting you and saying, just be gone. You don't love me. You don't want me. We're done. You've made up your mind. I'm done. I can't, I'm not going to bless you. I'm not going to protect you anymore. I'm not even going to look at you. Can you imagine that? Have you been rejected before? Yes? Have we all had this pain of rejection where you were either by parents or by people or friends or whatever else? That hurts, man. That hurts. But in this, when we continually choose to sin and turn our backs on God, that's what we're working towards. You are walking away from God and asking him to say bye. That is what you are asking him to do. And we look at these moments in the Bible, and I have in the past, and I know a lot of people still do, where they struggle with God in these moments. How can God be full of love when he can do this? How can God be full of love when he's, he tells his people to wipe out a nation? How can he be full of love when he floods the entire earth and only saves one family? How is that love? Well, because God is also just. And if you continually turn your back on him, he has to deal with you. He hates sin. He hates it. And he hates the lifestyles that we throw ourselves into and continue to do when he calls us to be different. He did everything for you. All you have to do is have a relationship with Jesus. To love him, put your faith in him, and trust him. You don't have to be perfect. But if you do that and you claim Jesus, but you still hold on to these idols in your life, these habits that you have, these addictions, whatever it is, and you know what it is because the Holy Spirit convicts you. That's not my job. That's not my job to lay out your mail and tell you where you're failing in your life. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And even in this moment, I believe he's doing that for several of us of where in our lives we need to take down these idols and take a stand and be closer to God, really pursue a deeper relationship with God. And God doesn't want to destroy his creation. He wants us to step into our purpose, our true purpose. And it's like this, when you're saved, when Jesus comes into your life, you're shackled by sin, just chains are all on you, right? And God comes and he unlocks it. But for a lot of us, even though it's unlocked and we can just let it go, we hold on. We still hold on to those chains. We still feel the burden of our past. We still feel the guilt. We still feel the shame because we don't let it go. We don't tear that stuff out of our lives. Ask the Holy Spirit, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you to rip these shackles off of me. You unlocked them, but I need you to pry them off because I'm holding on too tight. And there's been things in my life that I've held on too tight and I had to let go continually still letting go because it's not just a one-time deal right what does jesus say pick up your cross deny yourself follow me daily daily do this because a lot of us we can struggle with something and we think we're good and a week passes or a month passes and then you're dealing this with the same thing again and you want to sin and you're struggling but that's when you need god to intervene again god i give this to you i need your help because i don't want to be away from you no one can live in their intentional sin forever God will punish sinners, and there's coming a day where he will exterminate sin and death for good. That's awesome. But we don't have to struggle with sin in the future. That God is going to wipe that away. 
And everything you struggle with now will just won't even be a problem that you have. It'll just be perfection constantly. I can't even grasp that. The Bible says we can't grasp that. But that's our future if we continually serve God. And some of us are facing a moment right now where we're about to be held accountable for our sins. Because none of us are promised another moment. And none of us know how long God's going to give you to continue to have that lifestyle of sin before He stops it. Before He lets you know it's wrong. And He disciplines you for it. And we look at this and we thank God in the Old Testament. Yeah, this is something that happened back in the day. And surely God doesn't do that now because Jesus came and and changed the whole game up. But I want to challenge you that God's still the same. And I was reading in the book of Revelation. And if you read the first uh, the second and third chapters of Revelation, I mean, it's, it's pretty intense. Jesus is talking to his seven churches at the time. And he said something that just caught my eye that completely ties with what God did in this moment in the Old Testament. In, in chapter 2, he's talking to the church in Ephesus. And Jesus is telling the church, you know what, you're diligent in ministry. Yep, yep, you're doing good. you got a good church. Um, you're, rebuking, you're rebuking evil for the most part. Um, but I have something against you. You have forgotten your first love. And if you don't repent and turn from your ways, I will remove your lampstand from my presence. What? These are Christians. They go to church. Good people, right? Jesus says there's something more. There's something you're missing. Even in the church in Laodicea in chapter 3, he says, You know what? You're lukewarm. Either be cold and be away from me or be on fire from me. But if you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. That is not what I want. That is not who I call my people to be. It's not good enough just to do the bare minimum, guys. What these churches lack, we're lacking, and what we can sometimes forget is that it's not going through the motions or coming to church or singing a worship song when you want to or, you know, just randomly praying. It is about daily having an intimate relationship with Jesus. That's what it's all about. Seeking him out daily, not just checking the boxes, but really spending time in his presence. And following Jesus is a deep commitment. And the closer you get to him, the harder it becomes to sin. Because the Holy Spirit just tears that stuff out of your life. You're looking at Jesus and you want to be like him. You don't want to look like everyone else. Jesus is your standard. You don't care what other people do, what other cultures do, what other societies do. You want to look like your God. You want to look holy as he is holy. You appreciate that you're a son or daughter of the king, and you just want to be like your dad. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He breaks those things off of your life. And maybe for some of us, that is why you've lost so much joy in your situation and even love for people because your relationship with Jesus is going cold. You don't pray like you used to. You're not seeking him like you used to. And because of that, you're letting life get the better of you. You're letting situations take your joy. When joy is from the Lord, but yet you let other people take it? How can people take what God gave you? It shouldn't happen. And through God's love for you, once you truly start understanding that and believing that every single day, that God loves me so much. He died for me. He gave everything for me. He just desires that we be close, that I love him, that I know him. When you do that and you see how much God loves you, then you can look around at other people and they don't annoy you anymore because you see God's love for them. You start being the hands and feet of Christ. Like, man, I know they're, they are terrible to me, but God loves them. i got to love them. They need to know their value. They need to know their identity. 
And that's what makes it easier in our situations where we're going through tough times and, and everything's going terrible. We're like, oh, it's okay. God loves me. I know it. I'm good. I've got his joy. This seems a little rocky, but I know Jesus can calm the seas. I know he's, he's obviously, he trusts me enough to be in this situation. He thinks my faith is strong enough. You look at Job, he allowed the devil to go and attack Job because he was like, Job's going to prove you wrong. He won't turn his back on me. Maybe you go through so much intense tribulations because God trusts you. Isn't that cool to think that God trusts you? Maybe that's a better way to look at your situations and your problems when everything's going terrible. This is because God thinks I can handle this because he's here with me and he knows I'm not going to turn my back on him. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.